Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports. And joining me today is Jason Howarth, Vice President of Marketing at Panini America. Jason, super excited to have you on the show. Hey, Rob. How are you? Psyched to be here. I'm doing amazing. So there's a few things that I want to talk about today. How Panini has matured as a company from when I used to collect Panini sticker albums back in the late 80s and early 90s, what the current trading card market looks like now and where it's going, as well as what Panini did for the NFL draft. Sound good? Sounds like a lot of fun. All right, let's start at the beginning. So growing up in Pittsburgh, I loved all things sports. Yeah. Because of this, I got big into collecting cards as well as collecting Panini sticker albums. Yeah. I specifically remember the 1989 Panini sticker album with Jose Canseco on the cover. He was coming off an MVP season where he joined the 4040 club. So as a nine-year-old, it was like the pinnacle of sports baseball at the time. Yeah. Um, and Panini sticker albums spoke to my fandom. It was an era where I looked forward to getting the newspaper every day so that I could read the box scores in USA Today. And it really helped me build a connection with all of the teams and players as the goal of the Panini sticker albums were to fill out the rosters from every single team. Yeah. There was so much fandom packed into every album. Uh, unlike baseball cards where manager cards and team logos were worthless, with the Panini sticker albums, for the teams, they had this like shiny, almost metallic feel to them. Yeah, and cool. I also loved that there were stadium stickers. So yeah. as I look into how I've built Bacon Sports and why I'm such a sports fan now and why you can list off any random athlete or name of a stadium, I really have Panini sticker albums to thank for part of that because you learn about all things baseball. So yeah. what I'm curious about is how has Panini taken this experience that I had over 20 years ago and translated it now into the digital era? Yeah. Well, first off, let me just say I, I'm a little bit older than you. So I, I remember the 85, 86 albums and, you know, and you said you're from Pittsburgh. I'm from Boston. I remember Bill Matlock. I seem to get Bill Matlock like <laughs> all the time. So like, I mean, Bill Matlock and Willie Star Straggle, you know, for Pittsburgh were the guys that always popped up in my stickers uh, as a kid. Um, what's awesome and amazing is that the, that sticker fandom and fanaticism still exists, um, you know, pri primarily overseas. Um, you know, our World Cup sticker collection is just absolutely ridiculous. We just went through it this past summer. Uh, just crazy, crazy numbers, how, how things happen and how it's so ingrained in the cultures like all over the world. So that's really cool. Uh, we love that. Um, we've certainly evolved. I think, um, I think the biggest evolution obviously would, would have been um, when Panini bought Donruss trading cards in 2009. Uh, that was their first like full entry into the US marketplace when they became the exclusive trading card partner of the NBA. Um, so acquiring the Donruss, um, you know, facility and, and the, and the mines that were in the Donruss business really helped us, uh, kind of grow into that space. And from a trading card perspective and transfer from, you know, having stickers be our primary focus to translating the U S marketplace and, and really developing the trading cards, uh, in the U S marketplace. And since that time we've gone from, 
you know, the exclusive trading card partner of the NBA to the exclusive trading card partner of the NFL and the NFL Players Association uh, to exclusive for trading cards for FIFA and over 200 colleges and, and you name it. So oh. let's, let's talk about the Donruss thing for a second, because what's interesting to me is the branding behind it. Because when yeah. I think Donruss, I think Donruss Diamond Kings. Yeah. But Donruss as a whole from a sports card collector wasn't in my top two. For uh-huh. me, I'm looking, I was probably Upper Deck. Uh, I was Fleer Ultra or Flair back in the day. Yeah. And Donruss... Just as a card collector, I would, I would take anything. But it was never the, the number one from the perception. And this is pre-social media. So how right. do you take something that has good mind share, but from a perceived value? Because we would look in the Beckets and everything. And Don Russ was never trading from a value standpoint as high as the others. So yes. what do you guys do with a brand like that to help infuse more value into it? Yeah, it's funny you say you say Diamond Kings, and when you I was waiting, I, I thought for sure one hundred percent you were going to say Rated Rookie. Oh. For me, the Rated Rookie is a kid like that was the card you wanted. Like I remember my Bo Jackson Rated Rookie. Yeah, crazy. Jose Canseco Rated Rookie, Mark McGuire Rated Rookie. Again, a little bit younger, like maybe four years younger than, uh, four years older than you. So my collecting was probably a little bit um, older than you, but. Man, it's, you know, having that rated rookie name still to this day carries a lot of weight. Um, you know, we, we utilize that with all these athletes. We were just at the NFL draft this past week. They get rated rookie shirts. We'll be out uh, with them in L.A. for the NFL rookie photo shoot here in about three weeks where we bring in the top 40 skill position guys from this year's class. Uh, and they love rocking that rated rookie shirt. So, um, you know, that's, that's really cool. That's really compelling and, and is, you know, I think as we've grown from 2009 till now, uh, the biggest dynamic and shift is that, you know, in the days when you and I were kids, there was just this mass volume of cards that were out in the marketplace. You can find them anywhere, like your little corner grocery store everywhere, right? And so the big thing about trading cards is about scarcity, right? And so, um, we needed to bring some of that back into the marketplace. Right. And so the important part there is that you have these, you know, these brands like Donruss or like score, you know, that are these mass retail brands that you can find all over the place. And we've established newer brands like our prism product, which I don't know if you've seen prism or not. uh, But man, that product is rocking. It's the hottest thing in the market, whether that's NBA or NFL or NASCAR prism when it comes out in September, I mean, the Prism brand is just, you know, this new brand that's kind of been in existence since 2012. And it's just absolutely exploded because the value and the quality of the product looks so different. Uh, A lot of foil, a lot of metallic, a lot of color to it really pops, um, kind of holographic to a certain extent. Uh, So, you know, the biggest mindset and shift from, you know, coming into the Donruss market is, you know, you went from, you know, Donruss, which was a pure purely like a baseball brand, right? They had football as well, but small amount of products, all that other stuff, especially when we came into the market. Um, and then this transition to, you know, we become the exclusive trading card partner of the NFL and we're producing 36 NFL brands. So everything from Donruss that retails for $1.99 at Walmart and Target to high-end products like Flawless, which sells for $1,500, comes in a steel briefcase, and you buy it online or you buy it at the hobby store, you buy it at iCollectPanini.com, 
you know, I mean, the difference is, you know, little Johnny is still buying his cards, right? But his dad, Jonathan, is buying the $1,500, you know, still briefcase. It's got diamonds embedded in the cards. And I mean, the evolution, you know, to create that value in the product has really kind of grown, especially over the last five years. So it's interesting that you say that. So I recently saw an interview with Gary V on the Rich Eisen show where he talked about how he expects trading cards to be on a major upswing in the next three years due to people my age who grew up in the prime of collecting cards starting to have kids. And then the value of cards increasing because of the scarcity of them. So if you can get one that has a signature on or an autograph on it, that is one of one that is worth $10,000 or $15,000. All of a sudden it brings a new element to the table. And conversely, the way that cards previously were that were supposed to pay for my college, which didn't end up happening because it was completely flooded into the market. I think you touched on a huge thing there that now it's very accessible, but that doesn't mean like, I remember I got this Shaquille O'Neal rookie card and I wanted this thing more than anything in my life. And at the time it was valued at $100. And I remember my friend and I, we each bought, we uh, chipped in to buy a box of it. And I want to say, obviously the boxes have like the four quadrants of where you can get it. And I think we got it in like the third pack in the back right or something. And we're running around the house and it's amazing Looking back on it now, that card is valued at like $13 because it went from this Shaq rookie card being so scarce and all of a sudden the manufacturer was like, well, let's just flood the market with it. Now all of a sudden everybody had this Shaq rookie card and the value went to nothing and it is demoralizing when you had something that had such a perceived value And then it goes down so much. And obviously we never sold any of these things. So it doesn't actually matter the value difference. As a collector, there is something about the scarcity and you know that you're unique. And I I think there's also an element of this that speaks to your community because you do want to feel special. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that there's, you know, back in the day, I mean, scarcity was, you know, you go into your local hobby store, right? Um, you know, to see how many shacks are there, right? Or it wasn't like you're popping on eBay, typing in shack rookie card, and then everyone in the world is showing off their shack rookie card, right? So uh, that's a complete evolution, you know, from the digital space and how it's impacted the market. But, you know, what we've done is, and, and like all other trading card brands too, is that, you know, the serial numbering so that you know that there's built-in value there. There's an autograph version that's numbered to 49 or 99 or 199 or 499. So there's, you know, at a minimum like 499 or even 9999. So under a thousand of the, that product exists in a global marketplace where people can see it. Um, you know, you, you know the value straight off the numbering. And back in the day, there wasn't really numbering, right? on our prison product and Gary Vee was talking about prism when he was talking about, you know, Zion Williamson and what he's going to do or this, this in this incoming NBA class, which is just going to be smoking hot. You know, he was looking at our prison product, which is a re you know, a retail and a hobby product, right? So you can buy a pack of cards for four 99 or nine 99. Um, that Luka Doncic autograph version that's coming out. I mean, man, their cards that are selling at like $2,500, 
$10,000 for a Luca rookie card that's got an, a sticker autograph on it, but it's based on the foil and the, and the rarity of the color. So like, you know, whether you get the rainbow foil in it in the mix, or you've got, you know, a cracked ice version, or you've got the black version, like the black version is the king and all, right? Like that's the one-on-one, you know, there's purple versions that sell like crazy red versions. So there's all this variety, you know, and that's how you build out the, the value proposition from a scarcity perspective, both, you know, everyone knows in the world, like a black version of a prism card is the one of one, you know, so you get that, man, you're game, you, you know, it's a game changer. And all right. So when we're talking about the one of ones, are these actually in the packs? Because I think sometimes yeah, yeah. if you think in, in the real world, if there's a, a one of one of a Lamborghini or something, that's right. just not like openly in the market. It's a dude yeah. who knows everyone there where sometimes a one of one can be limited in the rest of the community doesn't have the ability to access it. But yeah. is this literally like, are you guys calculated? Like take me into the process of when that one of one comes out, everyone obviously knows, all right, this is, this is the card. Is there yeah. like, special gloves like this is the the stanley cup like the stanley cup where it's around and it's being inserted yeah. so that it's just not an element of randomness yeah so it, so it's definitely dropped into the product so we have no idea where it's going to end up i think the i think the the fact that there are so many ways people are looking at our product and consuming our product whether they're watching case breaking online you know where people are live streaming and opening up product and people are buying into you know the um the case break. So, you know, in the case of the NBA, there are 30 spots in that case break. So I, I might have the Boston Celtics and you might have the Dallas Mavericks this year. You're freaking psyched because if you have the Dallas Mavericks and you land on Luca or you have the Atlanta Hawks and you land on Trey young, man, that's straight. Now last year, Jason Tatum would have been huge or Donovan Mitchell would have been huge. So, I mean, you know, there's still value in those guys that aren't rookies, but you know, the rookie drives the category. So you know, people are opening it, they're seeing it online, you know, from a stream, you know, from a case breaking stream, they're seeing it posted on eBay. You know, I think the, the, the thing that's so cool is that, you know, that hobby shop that you and I grew up in, right? Like that was our community. Now it's a global community. There are people in China opening up our products, like, and they're live streaming them or they're showing their videos. That's the, like the power of social media to really let everyone know, Hey man, I got this. Um, and that's just really cool. So how then do you guys consciously build the community? So I noticed that you guys have the hashtag, who do you collect? For me, I was a big Hurt Frank Thomas fan. Uh, even though I grew up in Pittsburgh, I fell in love with the brand new White Sox logo. And I got it on a starter jacket. And from there, Frank Thomas was straight crushing. He had the... Uh, I think Leaf had a series for them, the, the Big Hurt collection, and it had some foil, and it was shiny. And yeah. to this day, if I go into my closet right here, I still have all of my Frank Thomas rookie cards, and I live in Chicago now. Yeah. Um, but take me a little bit more into the building the community. So it's, it's global, but I think one of the biggest challenges uh, larger brands can have is – you guys are so good at what you do and you have access to so many people. And we'll talk about the NFL draft in a second that we see all this amazing stuff that you do. And it's about all the athletes, but oftentimes, well, all the time, it is the heartbeat of the community. It is the people opening the packs and the cards and the, the cases uh, that really matter. So how do you help embrace that? Or 
deal with the dynamic of not posting nothing but Luca and Kyler Murray content as opposed to some kid in Nebraska who ends up getting the Luca card and goes bananas. Yeah. Well, the best, the best part is that, you know, that kid in Nebraska now has, you know, just as much access as we do to sharing that with the world, right? Like from a social media perspective. So I think early on, you know, I, I started out Panini in 2010. I mean, early on, we, we felt like, you know, and Panini had just come into the U.S. market in 2009. So I've been here from the beginning. They were my client on the agency side. So I feel like I've been here from the, from the jump. But I mean, early on, we felt like the value was making sure that we, you know, give those behind the scenes look, you know, show that interaction with the athlete, expose the athlete to the product. And then, and then on top of that, you know, be vibrant in the social community and engage and have people interact with us. We did this, this, um, we used to do this program on, um, you know, during the playoffs for, for the NFL, where we did like a, you know, Panini wildcard weekend. And we'd ask people to post their favorite card and use the hashtag Panini wildcard. And we'd vote on, you know, we'd vote on who had the best card, you know, by quarter. And we'd give them, we'd award them a box of cards. And like people just went absolutely crazy. It wasn't just like showing the, the card anymore. It was like they were doing creative things to like reveal the card. They were spelling out Panini's awesome or, you know, whatever. And, you know, and so that, that part is really kind of just engaging the community, whether that's on social, whether that's at the National Sports Collectors Convention or just, you know, around all the events that we do. We mentioned the NFL draft. I mean, they had 600,000 people in Nashville, Tennessee, you know, um, over the weekend, you know, taking part in the, you know, in the NFL draft. And so we had a, an experience at the NFL draft experience. We had a booth where people could come down and interact with us. And so, you know, some of those guys are people that were card card fans, you know, collecting some of those guys, some of those people were people that collected as kids and they were like, Oh my God, I can't believe they got the, these cards, you know, and some of them were just, you know, football fans. And so we're exposing them to a wide range and a wide audience. Woo! Quick break to talk about launchingpodcast.com. Have you ever wanted to launch your own podcast, but didn't know where to start? Then you're in luck. I took the same process I used to publish over 300 episodes of this podcast and put it into an easy to follow video course. Get a podcast up and running in no time and start growing your brand. Go to launchingpodcast.com. Okay, so let's dig into what you had going on at the NFL draft. And one thing that I've noticed that has been a big change from when I was collecting is autographs. That autographs weren't a thing unless it was like literally printed on the Fred McGriff card. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the autograph. (laughs) Exactly, so take me into what did your NFL draft activations look like? So we had a ton of stuff going on. So, I mean, it, it starts out, there's a, obviously a number of different ob- objectives when we're, when we're there at NFL draft. It's, you know, catering to the guys that are going to be drafted and making sure they understand how important they are to us. Um, and so we, we, we work really hard at that because these guys are going to be the guys that are signing our cards all year long. Uh, it's really important for them to understand the importance and the value and what they bring to the table for us. And so even before the draft, we had, you know, 150 180 guys under contract you know no one knew where they were drafted except for maybe a couple of guys we knew where they were going right uh but all those other guys whether they were first rounders or third rounders or fourth rounders or six rounders 
right? Like all the, we we've had those those guys on lockdown since they declared. So you know, as early as the NFL Combine and even sooner than that, you know, they're working with us. They're signing stickers that we're putting on their collegiate cards. You know, our contenders draft picks product just came out last Wednesday. So you get Kyler Murray in an Oklahoma Sooner uniform. You know, you get DK Metcalf in an Ole Miss uniform. You get Nikhil Harry in an Arizona State uniform. Like all those things are in our collegiate products, and we start building that relationship very early on. And, and so we work, we work through all of that, and then we get to draft night. And draft night for me is like Christmas, right? You, you're praying you're going to get that shiny new toy. My team totally did, uh, I, you know, which is another crazy story um, to share with you. But, you know, so we, we've kind of, you know, evolved in terms of how we do things. We've got our product called Panini Instant which is like a real-time product. You go to paniniinstant.com or iCollectPanini.com and click on Panini Instant, and you can get one of those draft night cards of uh, those players that were selected. So, you know, whether it's Kyler Murray at one going to the Cardinals or Nick Bosa going to the San Francisco 49ers, you know, we, you know, we've got those guys that were there at the draft, and then we have those guys that were at home at the draft. And so we cover, you know, the first 32 teams – uh, for Panini Instant, uh, or the first round, I should say, uh, since not all 32 teams ended up with, um, you know, a pick in the first round. Uh, and then we have, you know, 15 additional cards that if they didn't go in the first round, those players, a lot of really heavy in defensive tackle and offensive linemen in this draft. I think there was, I, I counted them 20 out of the 32 spots were, you know, offensive, defensive positions as opposed to, your typical skill position guys of wide receivers and tight ends and running backs and QBs, the, the things that people get excited about. Um, so we had all this stuff going on. Then at draft backstage, you know, as those, as those players are being selected, we've got people, you know, here in our offices in Irving, we've got people at various locations around the country at draft parties. And then we've got people backstage. And as soon as those players are selected, we're dropping them into our Panini instant NFL draft night card. So, Kyler Murray, you know, going at the Cardinals or Nick Bosa or, you know, DK Metcalf going in the third round to, you know, Seattle, you know, all those cards, you know, waiting for those guys to, to pop so that we can drop them in in real time and then make them available to their new fans. So it's not just the old Miss guy for DK. It's now the Seattle Seahawks guy that's jacked that DK is going to be a wide receiver there. You know, um, what I, you know what I love about what you guys are doing is – you're focused on speed and it's a huge differentiator in the market because the fandom of every single NFL team right now has never been better because yeah. we're all zero and zero. We've got this new blood. You're like, boom, things are changing. Things are awesome. And what you don't want to do is wait like two months to be able to get something out because I've already moved on the, the way that the mindset of the consumer is, is we're very quick and fickle with our attention. So you guys, by having this instant, you're showing that you're speed. And then I yeah. really love that you're so community focused. And it's one thing that I wish more brands embraced. If they thought community first, where they said, all right, what can we do to turn people into raving fans? Like how many brands have fans that are willing to spell their brand on something in a video to contribute to social? And the answer yeah. is not many, but yeah. I really think it comes from the a marketing ethos that shows why you guys are doing things so successfully. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, you know, it's funny, but you, you talk about speed and I think about, 
even just in the last five, six years, you know, since we we've, this is year three of our exclusive with the NFL. And so that move of, you know, being exclusive in the NFL has also allowed us to shift up some of our products that typically wouldn't come out until, you know, maybe June or whatever. So, you know, now our score product, which used to come out in July is, you know, coming out right after the NFL rookie photo shoot. So what we're, what will happen is you'll see, you know, DK Metcalf in a Seattle Seahawks uniform. And that product's going to come out like at the end of May, early June, not too far from, you know, him being picked two months earlier. You know, I keep using DK and I, I should talk about Nikhil Harry because I mean, one amazing story. I love both of those guys, but um, we had the opportunity. There are guys that are, that are invited to the draft and then there are guys that decide that they just want to stay home and be close to family and all that other stuff. And so what we've uh, done and, I think the first year we did it was with Patrick Mahomes, right? So Patrick, um, you know, was a Texas Tech guy, kind of came in to us early on. Uh, and we decided that he, he wanted to be in Tyler, Texas with his family. Uh, we decided that we'd sponsor his draft party. And so, um, you know, that moment when, you know, Kansas City jumps up to number 10 and takes Patrick and when they've got Alex Smith as their starting quarterback and our Panini branding is behind him at his party you know, and that all happens in real time and you see it on ESPN and, you know, we've got people on the ground at Patrick's party, you know, and they're texting and they're like, uh, he's getting a phone call right now before anyone sees it on ESPN. We're like, Oh my God. And you, you it's just that moment. So cool. And so this year we actually, uh, we stepped up, we had three, um, we sponsored three draft parties. We had, uh, ha Dwayne Haskins, uh, and he was having his party in Baltimore with his family. Uh, we had Will Greer, who was having his party in North Carolina. Uh, and then we had Nikhil Harry, <clears throat> who was having his party uh, in Phoenix. And so, you know, Haskins goes to the Redskins, great spot. You know, we're there. We've got our guys on the ground. We shoot. We've got a whole sizzle reel video that's on our Instagram of like the night, you know, behind the scenes of what it's like to be with Dwayne. And then, <clears throat> you know, I, I grew up a Patriots fan. I'm still a Patriots season ticket holder. And so we've got someone outside out, out on the ground in the first round. And so Patriots haven't taken a wide receiver in like 20 years in the first round. What since Chad Jackson? Yeah, I, I thought it was, it's, uh, I believe it's Terry Glenn. I thought it was Chad. Um, but I'm not 100% sure I need to go back and look, but you might be right. I, I, I feel like it's Chad, but people keep telling me it's not. Uh, people, people maybe just want to forget about Chad Jackson, unfortunately. Right. So nonetheless, Nikhil Harry yes, gets drafted Harry. by the Patriots. Dude's a complete stud for those who don't know who he yeah, is. Absolutely. And so we had him in our, we had both him and DK in our office on Monday last week, giving them their, you know, behind the scenes, getting their first personal edition Panini trading card to give out to their fans and uh, their family on draft night. And so we had an opportunity to kind of hang out with both of those guys. And so, you know, Nikhil, you know, is sitting there at his house in Phoenix and, um, you know, with his family who, you know, came in from St. Vincent. They hadn't seen each other in forever. They had to get visas to come into the country. And so we had people on the ground that were there and we get this, we get a text message, you know, three minutes and 30 seconds into, you know, remaining on the clock for the New England Patriots. And I get a text message. He's getting a phone call. And then I'm like, all, all the hair is on my back. It doesn't matter how long we were, you know, for. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, the Patriots are going to take freaking Nikhil Harry. And we're sponsoring his party. And man, it was so awesome. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if you've seen some of the footage on NFL.com of the phone call when he gets the phone call from Belichick. 
uh, but our, our branding's right there. And the thing that I love about our brand is that we're so authentic and organic to the, you know, to the, to the moment. It doesn't feel like it's forced. It doesn't feel it, it belongs there. Right. Because these guys are going to be on our cards and they're going to be on our cards, like from, you know, the beginning of time until they're done with their career, whether they, I tell guys all the time, you know, on the NFL side, like, we're going to start with you at the NFL combine and you're going to be signing cards for us. And then if you're ever lucky enough to put on a gold jacket, you're signing cards for us. Like there's not many brands, not, not even a team can tell you that they're going to have that level of relationship that before you're even drafted, when no one's given you a shot or no one knows who you're going to be, you know, we're there and you know, you're fortunate enough to put on a gold jacket you know, years down the road, we're going to be there. Even if you don't get to the gold jacket, you're still signing our cards because you're a compelling vet or a retire, compelling retired guy. And so that's so cool to just be there for that moment and know that we're going to be with them, you know, so, you know, till, you know, till they're done playing. That's absolutely amazing. So I'm going to get you out on one question. Okay. Behind me right now is my baseball card wallpaper. Yeah, I remember dropping you a note on that. <laughs> all of my common cards from when I was a kid, not just commons, but pretty much all of my non-Frank Thomas cards that yeah. are up there. And one thing that I love doing is I just look at the cards themselves and to see what stands out. What are the ones that are my favorites? And what continually blows my mind is some of the photos that were chosen for the pictures of these players. So yeah. there's, there's a guy, uh, I believe his name was Jeff, Jeff Code, a pitcher for the Rangers. Uh -huh. And they show him throwing a football. There is a card of Albert Bell bunting. Uh -huh. um, there is actually a card of Jim Abbott, one of the most amazing baseball players ever, hitting. And yeah. the, there's, there's all these images that I'm like, how in the world did they choose this is the one image? So can you give me any insight into how in the world the image of a player is chosen and has that improved from back in the day? Oh, it totally, it totally. Some of them are so, like you can see one and it's clearly a swinging strike three or yeah. a pop-up, <laughs> but I love it. It makes me so warm inside to see how someone numerous people approved these cards being like oh yeah we'll make that the thing we're going with yeah no i well so i mean obviously like in in the case of us where we've got 36 nfl products we've got you know multiple opportunities to pick a number of different uh looks and you know for each player and so uh we definitely do that Right. I, I think the, you know, so there, um, there's definitely a process. We're always wanting to highlight the player, um, you know, in their best, you know, it, looking their best and their most heroic, uh, you know, to really create that excitement and that energy. I think the thing that's really cool that people don't get to see is like when we're with the guys, you know, at the NFL PA rookie premiere here in a couple of weeks and we've got them sitting down, they're signing cards. You know, we, we have this come up, um, you know, even at draft you know, they'll be looking at their cards and they'll look at the card. And even though we've cut that image out and have put that into our design, they'll look at the card and they'll be like, I remember that game. And we're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, I remember that game. It was against Alabama. I scored two touchdowns. And that to me is just absolutely crazy. That this player will look at the image of the card and they'll remember that exact moment. Um, you know, so it's, it's really important that, you know, that they're saying, oh, yeah, that was a, you know, it, that's the game I scored two touchdowns instead of, oh, that's the game I threw three interceptions. Why would you pick that card? You know, um, 
but it's 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 really cool it's something that you know behind the scenes people that like the regular consumer doesn't get to see that but that interaction we try to tell that on social when we're with the guys like hey what were you thinking when you when you saw this car you know and so we get these guys that will talk about like hey i remember that moment i remember i was playing against penn state or you know whatever it may be uh which is really cool yeah and that goes back to the authenticity and the relationship you have with the players because now this just isn't a piece of random marketing or branding. Yeah. They can look at that and be like, I blew up for two touchdowns that day and it's a real authentic representation of myself. So I guess we then need to do a follow-up podcast with whoever from Don Russ was <laughs> selecting the images from back in the day, because clearly, and this isn't just Don Russ, because I think Don yeah. Russ actually wasn't one of the offenders of this because they were pretty standard in what they looked like. But there was, a, there was, there was that infamous, infamous Billy Ripken card. That was a Donruss card, I believe. Oh, yeah, the Billy Ripken. That, I mean, that was – okay, so when talking about exclusivity, that was an error card. Do you guys ever on purpose create, let's call it a wild card? So we've got the one-of-one one, yeah. uh, signature card, but yeah. the lure of the Billy Ripken, and I know Frank Thomas had one where I believe he was flicking off the camera as he's holding a bat and no one really realized it. So is that ever part of the culture of a, not on the highest end, but on the, we calculatedly did something different that people wouldn't expect. I mean, we're always trying to do something different that people don't expect. I wouldn't say that we're saying like, Oh, Hey guys, we should average like 10 or 20 error cards this, this year through our product. We don't do that. Uh, but we're always trying to do something different that people don't expect, um, you know, and that's, you know, that, that kind of tells its story, you know, across the various brands, whether that's, you know, your traditional, you know, Donruss brand, you know, with the rated rookie logo on it to our prism product, to our flawless product. So, you know, I mean, I, I always joke, like, you know, I know three years from now what our flawless design is going to look like because it's, you know, so consistent. Everyone knows it's going to be a white background. I don't know who the most who the most popular card in that that product is going to be three years from now, but I can tell you it's going to be sold out, and that's just because the you know the value and the um, the the value and the excitement for that brand uh, you know just stands out on its own. Jason, I absolutely loved this conversation. You brought back so many wonderful memories from my childhood. I have been a longtime supporter of Panini. Uh, I look forward to continually following the brand and being part of the things that you're doing because I love supporting brands who get it and yeah. you guys get it. And I think it's a very good reflection of what other brands need to be doing, irregardless of if you're in trading cards or you do anything else that the, the foundation and fundamentals that you guys do show why you're so successful. So where can people connect with you and Panini? Uh, so online, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram at Panini America. I'm at Sports Marketing Guy. Uh, our online store is iCollectPanini.com. Uh, those are the places that you can find us all the time. We're really active on Instagram, really active, you know, on Twitter, uh, as well as Facebook. Obviously, different demographic, different audience. Um, but you know, those are the places you can find us at Panini America. And as always, I would love to hear from you about this episode. Did you collect Panini stickers back in the day? Or do you currently collect cards? If so, tell me who your favorite card to collect was. You can hit me up on Instagram at Rob underscore Cressy, on Twitter at Rob Cressy, 
or on LinkedIn, I'll share anything good that could send in. Yes, 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 yes.